0: Hello, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together. We focus on union news, worker stories and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced in the studios of 3CR Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. We're featuring two stories today, One comes from the CPSU, the Community and Public Sector Union. Now, they say, the members of the CPSU say, that a thousand days is long enough. A thousand days is how long it has taken the federal government to not negotiate a new EBA for our federal public service. We report on upcoming strike action called for September the 9th. We follow this with a look at a victory for playwrights. Yes, that's right, people in the creative industries need to be represented as well, and the Australian Writers Guild has won a new, improved deal through its negotiations with eight of the largest theatre companies in Australia. But first, some workers' news. In a major victory after 11 weeks, picketing the CUB site in Abbotsford, Melbourne, the labour-hire company providing fill-in workers from interstate has cut ties with the brewing giant. The dispute began after the entire maintenance crew was sacked and asked to reapply for their jobs at 65% of the previous wages. It is seen as a line-in-the-sand issue for all Australian workers as the trend across industries for multinationals and franchises to expect workers to take massive cuts in pay and conditions to retain their jobs. Programmed Maintenance, the labour hire company in question, reportedly told the Stock Exchange on August 29th it was terminating labour hire agreements with CUB due to concerns for employees' well-being and ability to get normal, safe and secure access to the site. ETU Secretary Troy Gray says the real question for CUB is when is common sense going to prevail? (coughs) Workplace injuries and deaths are on the rise amongst migrants and visa holders, says a report from Safe Work Australia. Safe Work Australia concludes that visa holders, refugees and permanent migrants are largely hired in low-end jobs such as farm, labour or meat processing and are suffering deadly workplace injuries at higher rates than other employees. Factors that increase their exposure to harm include poor language skills, being vulnerable to exploitation And valuing job security over health and safety. Safe Work New South Wales said that there had been 70 workers' compensation claims involving 457 visa workers in three years, costing $1.46 million. If you thought the 7-Eleven scandal was over, you would be wrong. The Fair Work Ombudsman has launched a fresh investigation into the convenience store chain 7-Eleven after new evidence emerged franchises were still exploiting workers. The new investigation came as the federal government has vowed that it will crack down on wage fraud across the $170 billion franchise industry including 7-Eleven, with new legislation set to be drafted and introduced into Parliament. Well, we'll see what happens. Michaela Cash said the 7-Eleven scandal revealed not only a business model that encouraged systemic underpayment of workers, but also a widespread practice of franchisees playing their employees the lawful rate, but then are coercing them to pay back a certain proportion of the funds. Yes, Michaela is on to the issue, but it's been a very long time in coming. Just ask Unite, which has been fighting this fight for years. Just before we move on to our feature stories, Fremantle in Perth became the first council to ban Australia Day celebrations in honour of the Sovereign People. It has caused a furore, of course, but may also allow for a better date and reason for celebration to be developed. You're on Stick Together with Annie McLaughlin, produced at 3CR Melbourne and distributed by the Community Radio Network the Federal Public Service has become a battleground. Issues like privatisation of public services and uh, the Federal Government's desire to cut conditions and real wages have become real stumbling blocks for the CPSU members. Despite the coalition banging on about small government and the country's bottom line, We now know that a lot of the public service duties are being outsourced and this is made most clear by looking at the use of consultants to do high-end public service work. A report recently showed that since the coalition's election to December 2015, four of the most powerful organisations the, the government has lent on heavily Ernst & Young, PricewaterhouseCoopers, KPMG and Deloitte collectively secured $194 million of work from the government. Not a bad investment when you think that many top firms, including Deloitte and KPMG, donated more than $150,000 to major political parties during this period. How does the two things relate? Cutting the public service and increasing outsourcing public service work to consultants? I leave that for you to decide. The Community and Public Sector Union, who represent public servants, have taken Michaela Cash, the Minister for Industrial Relations, to the Fair Work Commission for failing to negotiate in good faith and are calling for a 24-hour strike of Commonwealth services on September 9th unless some progress is made on EBA negotiations. I spoke to Rupert Evans, Victorian Secretary of the CPSU, to fill us in on the ongoing situation.
1: Uh, So where we're at is we've got uh, around 75%, over 100,000 public servants um, in the Australian Public Service have still... uh, Failed to be able to negotiate an enterprise agreement with their agency um, after a thousand year, uh, days. That feels like a thousand, thousand years, years a thousand years. days um, uh, since we uh, said to the federal government, the then Abbott government, that we were ready to negotiate fair and reasonable enterprise agreements. Um, it's a damning indictment on the Commonwealth government, uh, the Turnbull uh, government that uh, they have been unable to settle and negotiate appropriate enterprise agreements for their workforce in that time.
0: Now, it's got such it's so serious that um, the CPSU is fighting it on a number of fronts and uh, one of the uh, issues that have come to the fore is uh, taking it back to the Fair Work Commission saying that Michaela Cash the uh, Minister for Industrial Affairs, is actually not negotiating good faith. Can you elaborate on that?
1: Well, one of the problems that we've identified in bargaining um, that we haven't seen in previous negotiations with federal government, Labor or Liberal, in 25 years, is that the government's hardline bargaining policy, which was um, implemented by Erica Betts and Tony Abbott, that's how far back it goes, um, and been, that's been maintained by Malcolm Turnbull and Nicolia Cash prevents uh, the agencies from uh, negotiating uh, in good faith, we maintain, um, by mandating what uh, those agencies can and can't talk about. Now, um, the basics are of it that we, um, CPSU members, want to be able to negotiate with the organ grinder rather than the monkey. Um, that is, if you're calling the shots, If the federal government's calling the shots in bargaining, then we want to be able to sit down and negotiate with uh, the person calling the shots. Um, And so our Fair Work uh, action is aimed at uh, bringing um, Senator Cash to the negotiating table, as she's the one that uh, is calling the shots.
0: And and then there's also uh, an impending uh, talk uh, talk of impending uh, strike action Uh, a 24-hour strike action, uh, which is unprecedented, isn't it?
1: Uh, Look, it's been a while. We're we're looking at uh, service-wide national 24-hour strike action um, for Friday the 9th of September um, and members in a a large range of agencies, including the Department of Human Services, which is Central good Medicare and Child Support, the Tax Office, the Department of Defence, agriculture and water resources, which includes biosecurity and quarantine functions, the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet, Department of Environment, Bureau of Meteorology, um, uh, Commonwealth Director of Public Prosecutions, the Administrative Appeals Tribunal um, and other agencies, uh, including for a short period on the day, the Department of Immigration and Border Protection, uh, will be taking serious and significant strike action um, to try and apply pressure on the government to simply sit down and negotiate something fair and reasonable.
0: Now, it's quite clear that there's something more going on than just uh, wages. Uh, there's conditions as well, but and this chipping away of the services that the have traditionally been public services by selling elements off to private enterprise, and I would dare say Superimposing corporate culture over a uh, public service culture, which you, they're quite different. Can you talk to that?
1: Well, look they are quite different, and um, you know, our members have been fighting off privatisation um, for you know twenty-five years or more. Um, uh, this ideological attack on their pay and conditions of the public service workforce um, is part of a. Uh, an ideological attack on Australian public services. Um, And it's an attack that is uh, in the face of very strong support from the Australian community for the services the government provides through the Australian public service. Time and time again, the Australian population, the Australian community, uh, the people that rely on and benefit from the services that CPSU members provide in the Australian public service, have shown their support for... Uh, those public services and their provision by the public service, which is accountable, independent, uh, and is not profit-based. So the the wages and conditions assault on the public service is is consistent with uh, the Abbott and now Turnbull government's assault on these public services. And just a point on the pay um, side of things. Look, pay is always an important component of an enterprise agreement negotiation, Um, You know, people's costs go up, uh, uh, independent of the work they do, um, and it'll always be a feature of enterprise agreement negotiations, but it hasn't been the main issue uh, and the main battlefront in these enterprise agreement negotiations. What members in the Australian Public Service have been fighting for um, for three years now is to simply retain their conditions of employment that they have now, the rights uh to leave family-friendly working conditions um input into where and when they work um, and also simply to hold on to uh, elements of their pay packets that have been under attack for you know nearly three years now from this federal government so um and that's aside from workplace rights like the right to be consulted over when and where you work um and uh, any significant workplace change like the rounds of redundancies that have been sweeping through the public service and subsequent job loss. So uh, it's a full-on assault um, that members have been resisting for over three years now, and the price they've paid for that is an effective wage freeze, um, which is, as many listeners would know, a real wage cut every time wages stagnate.
0: And just to finish off, um, in a lot of other areas like in uh on the waterfront and something and places like that uh, in the coal industry and, and probably considered to be more blue collar workforces that they're uh, being asked to take a two, um, up to a two third cut in wages, which, as well as a whole range of other conditions uh, and casualisation, but what's happening to you is also like a, a line in the sand, isn't it? Uh, sort of an attack on the whole. Uh, Australian culture of work
1: Look the, the casualisation and the Insecurity in employment has been Growing um, in this country uh, For Many many years now um, We do see in uh, Private industry um, And the examples you've referenced uh, Workforces and Employers who are willing to engage To deal with the challenges that they face um, and, You know you can Take uh, the Qantas example uh, as well, where workers took a wage freeze, the company's gone back into profitability um, and is now reportedly paying bonuses to staff as a means of saying, yep, we work together and now things are better. Um, There is just no uh, with this government under Erica Betts and Michaelia Cash's hardline uh, ideological assault on workers' pay and conditions. There is no ability um, for workers to negotiate uh, something reasonable at this point in time, which is why we're continuing to campaign on a number of fronts, including large-scale industrial action, um, to get to the point where we can simply negotiate something that is fair and reasonable. And that's all that members want.
0: You're listening to Stick Together, workers' stories and union news. Broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. You're on Stick Together, focusing on union news and social justice issues. You're with me, Annie McLaughlin. When or if you go to the theatre, do you ever think about the work that goes on getting the production started? Well, the Australian Writers Guild represents those people, the playwrights, who start the ball rolling – And they have just recently announced a win after three years of negotiations with the eight largest theatre companies in Australia. I spoke to playwright and AWG board member Alana Valentine for a look at the result.
2: So for three years, the Australian Writers Guild have been negotiating with uh, eight major theatre companies in Australia to get them to try and sign um, what's called a Theatre Industry Agreement, or the TIA. And that was to um, clarify some of the questions that have been um, uh, asked about, mm, for instance, adaptations to clarify the rights and responsibilities of playwrights, and also to uh, hopefully get them to uh, agree to minimum commissioning fees. So uh, they've been nutting it out. For three years, I'm the last in a long line of playwrights. Uh, I'm on the Writers Guild board and uh, it's been signed and now will take effect from August the 1st.
0: Now, what does that mean for playwrights themselves?
2: The main uh, thing that has happened is that playwrights will be getting uh, a large increase in their fees. Well, large because we haven't had much of an increase. When I started, which was about 20 years ago, for a stage play to be commissioned by a theatre company, that means they they pay you to write it when you give them an idea. Uh, it was ten thousand uh, dollars. Since then, it went up to twelve and a half. And with this agreement, it will now be fifteen thousand dollars minimum that a playwright will be paid in advance to write a play for a company, one of these companies. And um, and also enshrined in this document for the first time is a three hundred dollar a year guaranteed increase for playwrights so that means that every year they'll have an increase which has never been agreed to before. There's lots of other um, things that have been agreed protection for the rights and improved clarity like I say over issues including royalties and the integrity of the script and casting and the rights of authors to attend rehearsals. Uh, There's there's, you know a guaranteed 60% to an author who's involved in a group devised Situation, which is really uh, of, of great importance, uh, and there's lots of other there's lots of other things that have been enshrined that are of advantage to playwrights.
0: Now it's really interesting for people who uh, generally go to the theatre and are unaware of how much work and effort goes into making something happen. Now, for people who are playwrights, they would see this traditionally be a fairly solo. Activity, so getting people to work in a collective like this is very important, isn't it?
2: Oh yes, I mean it's it's you mean the guild itself, like yeah, the, the guild itself. To, yeah, oh, it's an extraordinary organisation, and really, Annie, the reason we get paid at all, I really genuinely believe this, is because of the establishment of the Australian Writers Guild. I mean, people just do not want to pay artists to do the, the work that they do. And they don't understand how much is involved. And, you know, as I say, it's taken three years to get this agreed, to have what it seems like to, to most people a nominal thing that they, you know, that we get an increase with at least the consumer price index. So, you know, it, it is really extraordinary to have an organisation that fights for the rights of, of playwrights to be paid.
0: Now the thing is that it is an unusual uh, work environment and it's an unusual job. How has it been possible to come up with the various things that are of importance to the playwrights uh, as opposed to the people, the commercial venture, the theatre that uh, plays their work? Yes,
2: well that's why you have the Writers Guild um, and we have... Professional negotiators who've been, you know, duking this out with the, the companies for several years. There is also the play, There is a playwrights committee uh, that is part of the Australian Writers Guild, and there's about eight members on that committee. We come together once a year and then have telephone conferences. And you know, in any good organisation, Annie, there is sometimes disagreement among those playwrights about what what we should give what we should not give and and what people think but what's exciting is to hear you know the the points of view of of other colleagues and to so, sort of come to an agreement eventually so it is a it is a an organization the guild which says sometimes the fight for the group of us is more important than just us as an individual you know that there are things that are greater than our own individual Um, competition as it were and it's worth fighting as part of a guild for
0: Now the other thing is of course that for this to have happened that means that uh, plays made by Australian playwrights are increasingly drawing uh, audiences
2: Well look they are I mean uh, there are statistics about how many Australian plays uh, are included in seasons and of course companies that can then analyse um, who who goes to those plays. I mean, Australian authors have known for many years that Australian theatre goers want to see their own stories on stage. I mean, I'm a, a passionate advocate that we put our voices and our stories on Australian stages and, and I repeatedly sell out shows and I know that other playwrights um, in Melbourne and elsewhere do that as well. So yeah, it's exciting for companies to continue to Oh, the word i'd use is respect australian playwrights by enshrining these um you know these rights in the in the in the agreements
0: now these are um minimum uh situations uh, if you were to have a runaway worldwide hit that wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be uh limited by these kind of uh this doesn't uh, include royalties does it
2: Oh, yes it does it includes royalties, so that there's the commission that I spoke about that 's one thing, but this uh, negotiates royalties uh, in australia it 's enshrined at ten percent as it has been for for a long time. Um, there are conditions to that with uh, some of the regional touring, but that 's uh, minimal there's also conditions about um, when um, when a company has to exercise rights that they have in relation. To the play, so for instance, if a company does commission the play, they've got uh, three months before they have to actually talk to the author about what they're then going to do with it. And the rights can revert back to the author if they aren't going to exercise any kind of tour. They have, um, I think, they have two years to to actually put that. Uh, uh, you know, what they then talk about touring something on stage elsewhere, and it it also looks at. How the you know the author and the company will work with with those um, conditions. So it actually enshrines, um, if I can put it this way, you know, obligations for the company to come back to the author. So that the author knows that you know the play is not sitting around for, for for longer than it needs to before they can start trying to sell it east, elsewhere.
0: Yeah. Right. Okay. And and then there's also that thing that you said before about uh, having a right to go to the uh Rehearsals, that's really big, isn't it?
2: Yeah, well, you know, it's just important always to enshrine these things in this kind of agreement, you know, that an author has the right to attend rehearsals. uh, You also, as the the author, have the right to be told within five working days um, the choice of the director and the lead cast. So, you know, there's a there's a clause there that says you don't unreasonably withhold your permission, but just really great to enshrine that, you know, you can't just take the play and run with it, that you actually do have to, you know, consult with the author, that they get to come into the rehearsals. They're not allowed to interfere with the duties of the director, the, it says, but they, they are allowed to make... Suggestions uh, in regard to the performance of the play to the director. So, you know, that's actually in one of the clauses. There's also a fantastic clause that says that the producers should use their best endeavours to make sure that all the authors they work with are members of the guild. So it means that you know we're fighting for things that our members um, we're getting rights that our members have fought for. So that's also, I think, that's a great clause as well.
0: (laughs) Thanks very much for giving me time.
2: Oh, thanks Annie. I'm really excited that you're you're so interested in the work of, of unions and collective bargaining. I mean, I still believe it's the best way forward for any kind of industrial action.
0: That's it for this episode of Stick Together. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Rupert Evans from the CPSU and Alana Valentine from the Australian Writers Guild for talking to us today. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au and you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by calling 03 9419 8377. Before I go, I'd like to offer an invitation for any of my fellow broadcasters across Australia from the Community Radio Network who might be interested in contributing dories. There's a small fund to support this initiative, so think it through and get in contact on that email address, sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. This is Annie McLaughlin signing off. Catch you next time.